most opportunities, whether it's your programs, your services, or the entire industry and piece of business you create, doesn't come when you expect it. It doesn't come in the package you expect it. And that's why having thinking partners is helpful because they're going to say, tap, tap, tap. This could be what you're looking for. So you mentioned the two things that will predict your income over the next 90 days. Let's dive deeper into those. It is. It's the two most important metrics that will blast through any excuses you have about what you're doing in your business and get you out of the busy work. Welcome to the Influence by Design podcast. I'm Samantha Riley, authority positioning strategist for coaches and experts. If you're ready to build a business that gives you more than just a caffeine addiction and you dream of making more money, having more time and having the freedom to be living your best life, then you're in the right place. It's time to level up. Christine, welcome to the show today. It's great to have you. I'm really looking forward to the conversation we're going to have, which is the most important conversation for any business. Essentially, do you have a business or do you have a hobby? So tell me, how did you wind up in this space? How did you begin or how did you end up mentoring? You know, I grew up in the world of business, and I, I mean that candidly. My dad was in business. I watched my dad grow a business where the handshake was everything, and I went straight in from school into the world of business. I have degrees in it. And so I spent so all my life in business, and I knew at some point I would create something, but being a business mentor was not what I ever imagined. When I started my first business, I did it as a side hustle. It was meant to provide supplementary income so that I could retire earlier. That was the goal. Mm-hmm. And I committed one hour a day to grow my business. That was the commitment I made to my partner, who was at that time my soon-to-be husband, and who had kids in sports, and we were busy. I had a full-time job. I traveled 40% of the time, and I traveled all over Western Canada, where I'm from. And so I didn't have a lot of time, but I said, I have to start. I have to start something. And I committed one hour a day, and my business was consistently growing in that one hour a day. So it's not a time thing. It's knowing what to focus on. And eventually, a lot of my peers who were in the same boat running side hustles kept saying, why are you successful and I am not? Mm. And I meant this not at all glibly, but I said, I treat my business like a business. Mm. I knew what to do to treat my business as a business. And I didn't realize initially that that was just a t-shirt catchphrase to them. Mm -hmm. They didn't really embody it. They didn't understand it. And eventually, it led to invitations for coffee, glasses of wine, walks on the water, a beer every now and then and people are like tell me this because I need you to break it down and I was like I will tell you everything I know about business mm. it's really simple two things and only two things grow your business you have to get in front of more people more ways more often who are potential buyers not just more people but buyers and you have to make offers like mm. that's it those are the two things you need to do and the people are like huh that's I've never heard it that simple before I said, well, it's true. Sit with it and watch the world of business and come back if you don't see exactly that. And so they would, you know, come back usually in a couple months and saying, I actually really see what you see. I actually even watch you do it, except for I can't apply it to my own self. I'm not disciplined enough or I don't really have that confidence that I know what to do. So can I spend more time with you? And then usually the penny would drop and they said, but I get it. You're planning a wedding. You have teenage kids in sports. You're moving house, building house, traveling a lot. I should probably respect your time. I'd like to pay you. Mm-hmm. Would you mentor me? 
And at the time, I will tell you, I was very, very uncomfortable with it because I was like, I was watching the world of business coaches and not respecting or liking what I was seeing. I said, I did not want to be in that camp. So what did I do? I went to a mentor, someone who was very respected in the coaching space and said, I've got the weirdest thing happening. People are asking me to mentor them in business and pay me for it, not just the glass of wine or the cup of coffee significant amounts of money. And he's like, well, but you you create significant amounts of money for people in the world of business. The world actually does need you to do this. So when somebody comes to you and whether it's, you know, they want to solve a $100,000 problem, make their first six figures, or whether they want to get to the mid six figures, the million or the eight figures, you've actually built businesses at all levels like that. So you actually have the credibility most of the market misses. You should consider that this is your way to serve others because too many people are doing the hokey pokey. Mm. And while I know you'll be on any dance floor in any space with very little <laughs> notice, you've got to help these people stop doing the dance. Yeah. And it was his comment that really lingered with me where I started to toe into the mentorship space. My first goal was to be a great entrepreneur. It is always to be a walking great entrepreneur. And I want to guide others for all the knives, experiences, and fun things I've done in my business to help you kickstart your journey. Because mm. honestly, I want more of us to succeed. I think small business is the solution we're looking for. And I mean, small businesses, you know, less than 50 to 100 employees and the solopreneur. But boy, have we been marketed to with some really bad advice. Mm -hmm. And that's why so many people are struggling, I think. Yeah, I agree with all of that. And it's funny, I didn't realize until you were saying that story that our journey has it's almost a mirror because I remember at the time I've had multiple multiple businesses too and remember going to my mentor I was a little bit more clueless than you because I went to my mentor and said all oh, these people are asking me to help them with business I don't know what to do with that and he looked at me and went duh <laughs> he was so I wasn't quite as smart as you now I actually needed him to say you know that there's actually a business there which was which was quite funny what was your first business yeah, my first business actually, my first independent business actually was in the network marketing space. And it's a funny story. A lot of people don't understand that industry, but it was the catalyst for me. It was the catalyst of back into the world of business. It was actually the place of authenticity and bringing all of yourself into the world of business. And it was in the health and wellness space, which is a passion for me. I used to work in the beauty industry many years ago, but the person who introduced me to it, here's the power of your network, was somebody I hadn't spoken to in 10 years. Yeah. who lived in the UK when I lived in the UK and worked in the beauty business. And I thought to myself, I'm so fascinated that you remember my name that it, I'm totally game for coffee. <laughs> yeah. And when she presented this idea, like I didn't get out of bed on Wednesday to start a business. I didn't. And truthfully, by the time it was Friday, I was all full of the excuses of starting it. Until I looked in the mirror and thought, you're making this a false excuse. And in my mind, it was about money, which was crazy because I'd paid more for pizza the night before for the family than I, you know, paid to start my business. Uh -huh. It was not a money thing. It was a, it was a, I have to do something thing. It was my own excuses. And in that moment, I said, that's not who I want to be. So I sent a WhatsApp and said, I'm in, I don't know what this means, but I have to start somewhere. And this seems like a good place to start because the opportunity is right in front of me. And when uh -huh. you say, you know, you went to your mentor and didn't see the opportunity, 
Most opportunities, whether it's your programs, your services, or the entire industry and piece of business you create, doesn't come when you expect it. It doesn't come in the package you expect it. And that's why having thinking partners is helpful because they're going to say, tap, tap, tap. This could be what you're looking for. And at the time, I was like, I remember I swanned into the kitchen after I'd sent the WhatsApp and said to my then fiance, by by the way, I've started a business. And he's like, you did what? (laughs) He's like, babe, we're going to be, we're about to be married. Um, You should probably have that conversation with me about this. And I was like, honestly, it didn't occur to me to have the conversation with him. And I, and I, he just said, okay, well, why are you doing it? I said, well, I'd like to help us retire earlier. He's like, okay, well, I'm on board with that. But what does it mean for us? Because time was not a luxury. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll commit one hour a day. So you and the kids want to watch Friends for the hundredth time. Mm -hmm. You can watch two episodes and I'll go about my business. Mm -hmm. And that's what I Love it, love it, love it. And isn't it interesting? One of my favorite sayings of all time, and my clients will be, if they're listening to this, will already know what I'm about to say. You can't read the label from inside the jar. And this is why it's so, so important to have people to bounce ideas off or go to because they, they're not in the weeds or they're not in the mud like we are. And it just having that fresh set of eyes or someone that really knows what they're doing to be able to say, oh, no, I can see, you know, what's happening here or, you know, have you noticed this or have a look over here is just so, so important. I think that so building important. a business doesn't happen, you know, in or on our own it's we talk about parents you know it takes a village to raise a child I also feel that it takes a village to raise a business and a business is like a child it's growing it goes through the you know the baby phase and the adolescent phase and the you know the adult phase and you know the getting old phase at the end so it is exactly like yeah yeah yeah, exactly yeah yeah exactly so you mentioned the two things that will predict your income over the next 90 days. I want to go back to that. Let's dive deeper into those. So can you just repeat those two things again for people that may have missed sort of how important they are? It is. It's the two most important metrics that will blast through any excuses you have about what you're doing in your business and get you out of the busy work. Mm -hmm. The first one is that your business will be built on strangers. So you need to get in front of more people, more ways, more often, all of the time. But your goal in that visibility piece is not visibility for visibility's sake. And I think that's where that highlight reel of the last five years got us all into trouble because we thought, I just need to post on social media and it will work. And it may be, it did at 2015, but it doesn't in our current climate. People don't make their decision there. They might reinforce their beliefs, but they don't decide there. So the key in visibility is about being able to identify potential buyers. Mm-hmm. And buyers are different than general audience members. So that's the first. Mm-hmm. We can talk about what is a buyer in a second, but that's mm-hmm. the first piece. You must have constant, fresh people to engage with. Every business needs this. Mm-hmm. If they're going to stay the course and be sustainable in their engine for clients. The second piece of the puzzle is nothing happens if you do not make an offer. Mm -hmm. And an offer is not, I just posted, here's my stuff, come buy my services. Please, let's stop that. That is not what an offer is. That's awareness. An offer is a conversation between someone who has an established problem that they're aware of, that they've already tried to solve on their own, and the priority to solving it is high. 
which means they're a today client, not a someday client. And at that point, you as the business or the business owner, if you're a solopreneur, must lead an offer, which is a specific commitment and a path to solving the problem. And ask, are you ready to move forward? Sure. You must lead this. And I think we got really lazy about thinking, I made offers. And I know I did this in my first business. I thought I made offers. And nine out of 10 clients would say to me, I never got an offer. I didn't know you were making me one. A lot of our offers are not really offers, but without them, there's no exchange of value. And your business only creates revenue when there's an exchange of value. Mm. So I say the fastest way for me to realize when my business is performing or stagnant is to track, and I do every month, how many offers did I make this month? And how many new people am I bringing into my ecosystem who have the potential to be buyers? And am I able to set, assess what their priority is to solve it? Sure. And I always think, I think an analogy. So maybe if I can, buyers are in three lanes of traffic. Uh -huh. There's the slow lane, which is someday I'll have that problem. Someday I kind of get some awareness about what you're talking to me about. But I, it's really not on my radar to solve this. Because it's not a today problem. I would tell you most of the people that I encounter in the world of business are stuck in that lane. They're in convincing mode. They're in educating mode. And guess what? Nobody's hiring you there. Uh, uh. Get out Con of it. Convincing mode. I like that. So your middle lane, somebody's like, I'm a human. I have patterns. I make the same pattern over and over and over again. But if they're in the moment where they're white knuckling the problem and you disrupt the pattern somehow and say, Sounds like you're in the same pattern. Do you know that's not the only way? You spark the most important thing in movement, which is curiosity. Curiosity is the precursor to every client offer being accepted. There's no curiosity, it won't happen. So your goal is to spark curiosity and then to lead them to movement, which is come by my stuff. We have to date for a while. We have to build trust. We have to do some things. The average person needs five to 12 touches before they'll say yes, because at any given time, only 3% of people are buyers. So, but you're recognizing a pattern that they have the possibility to be a buyer, because if you can plant the seed of curiosity, you can start to establish a next step, but that's yeah. where your bread and butter will be made. And your goal is to be able to spot the pattern, interrupt the pattern and spark curiosity. That's a whole skill you need to master. The final piece of the puzzle in the fast lane is the unicorns. I love unicorns. Unicorns are people who are already problem aware, already seeking a solution, have set money aside, and already know they've given themselves a deadline to get help. And you are likely on the list of considerations. So what happens is if you're active and you lead an offer, chances are they'll say yes on the spot or very quickly. And that's why they feel like a unicorn. But the better you are in your marketing, the better you are in your audience building, the better you are at being clear what you stand for and the value that you create, you'll find more unicorns. And it's mm. awesome. And that's where growth becomes tons of fun. And it's an engine. Yeah. As long growth as is it, fun. Growth it is fun. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to go back to something you said right at the beginning when you just started talking then. And you said that a lot of people don't make offers because they're lazy. I think that that applies to some people. But what I see is actually a lot of people that don't make offers because they're afraid of being spammy. And where this idea is coming from is because 
we are now getting so bombarded with spammy offers over yeah. DMs, you know, through social media, through spammy emails that go from I've never heard this person to they're giving me an offer in two sentences of this email. Yep. And people, run. <laughs> people don't want to be that person. So it's like rather than, you know, I don't think they're being lazy. I think they don't want to be that person. So how do people move from spark or not wanting to be that person and wanting to make offers and sparking curiosity in the right way? Two things. It's to recognize when to have the sales conversation first and foremost. Mm -hmm. Because you're right. If you actually think, I don't want to be spammy, trust me, you will never be that person. So just mm. let that go. You mm. like, just let it go. That's not you as a fundamental because the people who are spammy never feel that way. Ever. So you're not in the camp to start with. Yeah, but the second boy. thing that's really important <laughs> is to recognize when you're in a sales conversation. And the goal you got to remember is until I've established that they see the problem, that they're open to looking at a solution, that th that I can position or say or show an example, I call it like leaving footprints in the sand, where it says, I might have an alternate, are you open? Until you've established all of that, which is, I said, not in two seconds from hello, you're not in a sales conversation. So don't lead it as a sales conversation. Lead it as simply a conversation, a getting to know you, can we find common ground? Do I understand you? Because you will have more success with the yeses when the people have said, tell me what it's like to work with you. And I said, I, when I'm working with clients, I build a lot of that one, who is the buyer is the first piece, but then how do we spark curiosity and who do you want to make the offer to? Because you're moving people and Google calls this the zero moment of truth. People will research you before they ever want to have a buying or sales conversation. You need to provide them the tools, experiences, and ways to do that safely from a distance so that when you are able to say, would you like to know what I might be able to suggest, recommend, or offer to you? And they say yes, then you're never spamming because you were given permission to make the next step. Sure. And I never make an offer, and I would recommend this, never make an offer if you haven't been given permission to do so. Sure. You will stand out so much in the marketplace because you're not spamming. You're establishing a fit and you you really want to help them get the result. But how do you know that if you've never dated them? And I don't mean romantically. I just mean you get to know each other over time. And that can happen quickly. But it is about the fastest path to cash is conversation, not a DM, not an unsolicited offer. And so I think the one mistake and again, people were teaching this as a strategy. Your answer is to not have to have any conversations, just to DM and blow people's inboxes up. And I'm like, stop, stop, stop. And generally, if somebody does it to me, I immediately remove the connection and block them. Uh -huh, uh -huh. You don't know me at all. Why would I want to do business with you? So how do you balance going into the friend zone <laughs> and getting to a point to make offers? This is also a very gray area for a lot of people because if you don't set this up well, you do go into the friend zone and it is next to impossible to get that permission to make the sale. There's two sides of that coin. There's that I'm a likable expert and I'm the must hire expert. Uh -huh. I think a lot of time we have to think about the identity difference between those two. 
because people, especially if they're an emerging entrepreneur, want to get into the education space. I want to be of service. I want to be a resource. And I said, I'm not saying don't do that, but you don't get paid to do that because there's so much free knowledge out there. And that's how you stay in the friend zone. And just because someone's engaged with you does not make them a buyer. You've got to really, you know, develop your ability to figure out what is a buying signal and be sure that you, if appropriate, say, are you interested in my services? There's no judgment to the yes or no to that, but you do have to close the door. Because what I find in business, especially in my business, I said, you know, most of my clients do not engage in my social media before they become clients because okay. they don't want to publicly say that they need help. Mm-hmm, but the people mm-hmm. who just know that I'm great at what I do are the people liking and engaging in my content, but they're not buyers for me. And I am able to recognize that because there's no buying signals. Mm-hmm. There, what often comes out of their mouth is, one day I will work with you. I said, yeah. you're a someday client. And I mm-hmm. have tried to serve the someday client. I'll just own that. I have tried to serve them. It's not successful because it didn't matter how inexpensive the service was. That was just a convenient social way to say no yeah and so you want to be aware when you're just thinking about your business do you show up as the likable expert or do you show up as the must hire expert your expertise is the same in both categories but what's the invitation to movement that you're making is it stay in the friend zone or is it is would you like help implementing this and it's 100% okay to say to somebody, you know, you've been engaging in my content. Is it valuable to you? Yes. Would you like help implementing it in your business? And ask them that simple question. And again, you do not judge their yes or no, but you then have closure to say they're a buyer or not. Mm-hmm. And you do want to be being clear with that because there's nothing more soul destroying than thinking you have all this business that will land next week or land next month. And I said, I don't choose when they say yes, but I control my activity to keep the engine running. Uh Uh And I need to invite and be aware and talk about my capacity. But I said, I will give you all the knowledge that you need. Just come spend time in my ecosystem. I will not hold any of it back. Because truthfully, if you can take it and run with it, I will applaud you all the way to your business dreams. Uh Truthfully. But so often people say, I hear it. I see it. I'm struggling. And I said, would you like to consider what it's like to work with me? Somebody will say, I'm planning for that next year. Tell me what the numbers are. Talk about what it means now. But then I know we're in some kind of preliminary conversation, but I won't make an offer. And I said, are you, is this a priority to do now? Do you have the funds to do it now? What are the consequences of not doing it now? Would you like me to make an offer? Or come back to me when you're ready for one. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about it then. But you have to lead that. And I think part of it starts with your energy of what is your intentional movement and recognizing that buyers aren't necessarily the people who are engaging, but that doesn't mean you don't show up. Mm-hmm. Because all the people that need you are finding confidence in an invitation that you make for them to take a step closer. Mm-hmm. I'd love to go back and um, unpack that a little you sure. mentioned that a lot of your customers or buyers don't engage with your social media content. Okay. So how do you get that buying signal? Where does it come from? 
How do you curate that? Yeah, well, my, my business grows on two primary things that I do in my business. They're the staple. They're the lanes I chose. One of them is speaking, what we're doing right now, and the other one is networking. So one thing I'm very active of in my strategies of big rocks, the big things I do in my business is always have a place of movement that people can go to. So they could start with a free lead magnet, whether they got it from a face-to-face, whether they got it from a networking, it doesn't matter, but I will have a place that's safe that they can step in. They might then be in my email list. Well, my email list and people in my ecosystem, if they're in my Facebook group or in my podcast or in my email, get invited to events that I run, both ones that I run, my own expertise events, which is specifically about finding audiences of buyers, or I invite them to other networking events I might be part of to come network with me or to come be in communities I think they need to be aware of. And they also then start to get credibility. Well, as I'm going to the next step, every step they take, I'm starting to see their activity. And I might recognize them in more than one space. And at some point, I should be aware and paying attention. And they will either come to me saying, I'd like to have a conversation with you, a one-to-one or something. I'd like to know more about your services. Or I might say to them, you and I are in a pattern together. Would you like to have a one-to-one? like to know what, what we're doing because they think we can help each other. And I always come from help first versus mm-hmm. sell first. But I'm, I am I have a very intentional, in some ways you could call it a funnel, but it's not creepy and weird and you're not on a sales page being bombarded because I don't spam. But I am watching your level of engagement. And when that happens, I can see your priority level going up to fix this. And so I then lead would you like to take a next step together if they don't lead it themselves? I will tell you 50, 50% of the time I am in one or the other camp. It's very equal depending on their own history, their own introvert versus extrovert, their own difference. But my job is to keep showing up with an invitation to keep moving and to not judge when they're moving forward and when they're moving backwards. He said, I am sure my business will be here in a year and this pattern will repeat. Step in when you need to. And often, you know, people that that I've known for quite a long time or have been in the world for quite a long time, you know, that's when they become unicorns. Sometimes it's very odd. I'm like, you've been in my world forever. They're like, yeah, you've been in my head for so long. I think I should get you out. (laughs) I think I should step in. (laughs) Yeah. Saying, help me figure this out because I know the questions you're asking, but I'm struggling to answer them. And so that's when my job is not to find your answer for you, but to help you think through what are you processing? What options are out there? Because my skill set's pulling the pieces together, the marketing and the sales and the operations. It's the through line. And what you don't get when you're trying to find your own solution on your own is you're getting entertained by the likable experts that are in the field. But when you want to apply it, you're looking for somebody who can help you implement it. And implementation has to be something they see, you're talking about, and you're making that next step a direct offer, not a sale conversation prematurely. But I think that that's really critical to that piece to see it effective. And so I know those are my lanes and I always have a way to step in and say, and people, what they say to me, what I hear a lot is, I know you're really active. Keep asking me. I'm not ready yet. And that's why I know there's some level of interest. And I say, I just have to keep broadening the more people, more ways, more often, if I want to see stability in my client growth, because I don't control when they say yes. 
they're pops, sure. You know, this time of year, people are like, I better have a plan for 2024. Mm-hmm. I'd rather commit to the plan now, knowing I start in January. Sometimes that happens in our hemisphere course in the summer when they say, I need to start in September. Mm-hmm. You are responsible for your decisions. My job is to make sure you have a safe space to step in. Mm. And content that's valuable that helps you think. And then when you identify a gap, I have another way for us to say, you want help bridging the gap or you need to talk it out. Here's ways you can do that. Yeah, I think it's really important not to put ourselves in the position of babysitter, that we're in the (laughs) position of helping people to, you know, what's that say? Something about helping a man to fish. I can't even think of it. I'm hopeless with my quotes. I kind of know where I'm going, but I can't think of the exact quote. But essentially, it's not just handing them the fish. It's helping them to learn to fish for themselves. And that that's our job as mentors. And I think that that's really, really important. And that's why I always ask the question. I have learned throughout all of my career, I can't drag you uphill. Oh. I've tried. It's never worked well. We have, I have all tried. <laughs> we have all so tried. <laughs> I ask you, why is it a non-negotiable? Because I want you to tell me so I can hold that vision when you wobble. And I say to people, you know, if not now, then when? But the decisions are yours. And yeah. my goal, like when I think about what I want for my clients, I want them to have the confidence to make decisions because their business will constantly evolve. I want them to know how to think critically and how to ask questions and stay with them till they can figure out, sounds good, is it true? And then move with it. And that's the framework that I work with. And so I said, you know, I'm, I'm not here to drag you. I can breathe oxygen onto your fire for sure through my network and through my skills. But I want to know, is your engine lit first? And I won't make you an offer if it's not a definitive, yes, I'm in. Uh, uh. I'll just say if we're not there yet. But I look forward to the day we are. Uh. Now, you just mentioned before business foundations. <clears throat> and you talk about the non-negotiable business foundations. What are they? So every business needs three things. They need more than three, but three are three are where you start. And then anytime you're wobbling and client growth stalls, you have to go back to them. The first foundation is, do you have absolute clarity on your buyer? Uh-huh. And it's not who you think it is, it's who actually is connecting to it. And that sometimes there's a really big disconnect there. What's the And difference? especially the longer you've been in business, because you start to sound like an enlightened person and your buyer's in the dark and you get disconnected just happens through time. But you've got to be able to get clear on who is the buyer, how can you recognize them, and what do they want. That's Uh the first foundation every business needs. Without that, you are hopelessly having an expensive hobby. Second thing is to understand the point of marketing. Marketing is not optional. Marketing is essential, but a lot of people misunderstand what marketing is. Marketing in its simplicity is about moving somebody from curiosity to paid client. The goal is movement. And you have to be intentional about crafting what is the movement? Where am I going? What's the next step? How do I keep this in cycle? And you could choose any marketing tactics you like. I said, I like speaking and networking. You could choose websites, SEO, you could do ads. I think all of those are accelerators, but if you don't have your message right first, you will spend a lot of money and a lot of time not getting results. Uh Know the buyer to get the messaging right and then decide how you will move them intentionally from curiosity to pay clients. The more you can condense that, of course, the faster the cycle of new growth. 
Most clients take on average 90 days in a service-based business. You can shorten that by making sure you have steps that are intentional and that, you know, if you do events, it's not once a year because then they can only take one step. It's easy step in places. The third piece is you need to be categorically clear on what you stand for and the value you can help someone else create. Not what your value is, but what value you can help guide somebody to create. Because the only reason they will put their credit card or bank draft in your hand is because of the result that you can help them get predictably. So you have to know what you stand for because you have to call the right buyer who says, I see you as credible, I like you, I trust you, and I feel safe with you, but you will only see you know, good sales results and referrals and echoes if you deliver the value as they prioritize it. And too often we get caught into our value and then we it shows up like this. You're describing your program. Mm -hmm. That's not value. That's just the nuts and bolts. Don't tell me it's going to be work, even though we all know effort is required. Just tell me the result will be worth it and I'm in. And I don't want you to skip over the how, but just recognize the how isn't the value. It's just the delivery mechanic. Mm. Those two things on that third pillar. And every time I said things feel out of whack or we're losing certainty, or we feel we're stalling. We have to go back and look at those three things because those three things build the triangle that the house gets built on. Outside of that, of course, it is about influence. And that's influencing yourself, influencing your peers, influencing potential buyers, potentially staff, depending on how you structure your business. You have to influence, but you have to know where you're going and what you stand for. And then, of course, if you're in a business, we need to look at the numbers. I'm going to say numbers are scary for lots of people. Just focus on two. How many people you're meeting that could be buyers? And how many offers are you making? Because that's a really good pulse check for are you creating a healthy business and a pipeline that will sustain your bills, which don't come once in a blue moon. They come really consistently. <laughs> don't they just? Don't like they just? <laughs> <laughs> Knowing the numbers, that's really interesting that you've used those two as the only numbers you need because when I hear that, I feel like one of the massive numbers that's missing is your actual conversion because okay. I've seen a lot of people make a lot of offers that still have a really average conversion rate. For sure. A conversion is an absolutely critical number, but I'm thinking if you're trying to start the engine, don't forget to start with, you have to do those precursors for sure. There's no point making a hundred offers to the wrong people because you will not have a good conversion. And that's where the fine tuning is key. Because you need to be evaluating, are they buyers? Do they have the economics? Is the offer the right one? And you will tell only though, once you've made it. Because yeah. if you don't make it, you have no true certainty of what the response was. But I want you to, of course, be growing your conversion. And if you nurture people really well, your conversion rate is usually quite high because you don't make offers to the wrong people. Yeah. 100% because your conversion rate will go up by making the offers to the right people. And I remember the day that someone said this was like a huge epiphany for me was there is always buyers for Ferraris. But if you're trying to sell a Ferrari in a schoolyard, you'll always think that there's no buyers. And that was just a really, that helped me to really understand you've got to go to the right places to get to yes. find the right people. And you have to get in the right room. 
you could think that your conversion rate was really low if you were trying to sell that Ferrari in the schoolyard. But if you're in the right place, then, you know, your conversion rate could go up. So it's about understanding what those metrics are because there's always a story behind them too, right? Yeah. And, and, and how big is the sample size? You know, if you make one offer and you only had one person and you think, well, my business is broken, now I need to go back to the drawing board. Trust me, I see lots of people do that. I said, we don't know that the offer is not working yet. You haven't had enough confidence in the room. The sample size is too small. Mm -hmm. So I think every business under the planet always goes, you're not meeting as many people as you think. Mm -hmm. we, we have a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And I said, count them, track them. On my, I do this to this day. The discipline is still there. I have a on my blog, I, I, it's one of the free giveaways I just run on my blog all the time. So here's a daily tracker. Track, honestly, how many new people you met, how many follow-ups you're having. And when you're meeting people, are you determining where you think, this is an opinion, where you think they're in the buying process, so that you prioritize your time accordingly and that you provide them the right information based on where they are in the journey. And when you're making the offer, of course, if someone doesn't immediately say yes, we all know this in, in Sales 101, a no isn't a no until it's 100% a no. First yeah. off, we make a lot of assumptions that they're no's, they're not. But the second piece of it is use this as an opportunity to learn. It's like, what's missing in the offer that would make it a yes? Yeah. Uh -huh. And if you're capable of delivering it, then maybe you do right then and there and get the yes. But you have to use the exchange of conversation to get the feedback. Yeah. And I think that's where we've got business so complicated. We're running behind that real drive of technology and complicated funnels and you know just this noise factor and i said one person can make one offer to the right person and find a unicorn believe that it happens it happens quite yep. a lot in my business and mm -hmm. it comes from the fact that i know very clearly what i'm looking for i know very clearly who i can help i know when i have capacity and i'm listening actively sometimes i'm not and i totally miss the opportunity Sometimes they come back and sometimes I have looked back in hindsight went, oh, I wasn't paying attention. Uh, and they found uh -huh. somebody else. And I take that as a valuable lesson and go, percent. Oh, because it helps you to get clarity, right? It helps you to understand, no. didn't quite articulate that well. Or, you know, I call that the first pancake. You were talking about people that make one offer and, you know, it doesn't quite kind of go quite right and they give up. Well, you don't do that with the pancake, right? The first pancake's always the one that doesn't go quite right. It always looks a little bit Throw odd. It away. <laughs> so you, you get rid of the first pancake. You've got to get your first pancake out of the way. And you know, and as you make that offer, it will get better. You will get clearer. You will understand you who to make that to. So you're right. Don't completely burn the ships right at the beginning. You do need to go and, and sort of go over it and refine it and distill that process and that message as you go. And if somebody's asked you for an offer and you bumble it, mm -hmm. it's okay to go back and say, there was a moment to reflect, regroup, and say they recognize value, the value was still on the table. I will tell you my first client offer was a disaster because mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting it. She turned out to be a unicorn. I showed up to talk about one thing and she was asking me questions about my business, which I thought was just polite chit chat. Mm -hmm. I was not and she said, I actually don't want to do what we're here for. What's it like to work with you? And I again thought that was a polite chit chat. And she's like, no, I've given out my credit card. I'd like to start working with you. Could we start this week? And I misjudged the number. I went out half the value I would normally have done that I 
prepped in my mind to do. Yeah. She said yes. And I was like, what a cluster. <laughs> I think about it now and think, I, I, I mean, I just bumbled the whole thing, but I got there messy in the end. And the second time she's been with client off and on now for years, that my, that that value has gone up. The money has gone up. My confidence went up, but all of it was lived experience. Mm. And she's like, I don't think it was as bad as you think it was. And I'm like, I was a hot mess. Mm. I'm like, I had a ton of take payment. I was not prepared to do that. Like none of that was prepped. I didn't expect myself to be in a sales call. But she said, tell me what it's like to work with you. Mm-hmm. I think I need what you're doing. I'm like, what did I say? Like, honestly, <laughs> probably what my response was. Yeah. Huh? Well, Why do you want to hire me? It's a really good question. <laughs> it's no. what I still ask today, just so we're clear. I was like, why do you want to hire me? What do you think I could help you achieve? I always ask that. What a great question. Because time to get it. Yeah, and great question. Because then you're finding out the lens through which people are there having that conversation with you. Very soon. Yeah. They'll make the assumption because then you're like, oh, that's where I need to deliver the first win. Mm. And we start working together. Yeah, gold right there. Now, right at the beginning of the conversation, we were talking about buyers. And one of the (laughs) things that you mentioned was emails. And I know you've (laughs) written an ebook on different ways to attract an audience of buyers. Can you tell us a little bit about sort of what's in the book? And I think we know who it's for, but I'd love you to share a little bit. I'd love to, because I think one of the things I really realize is that a lot of people talk about visibility, but really the real fine tuning is not just visibility, but finding the buyers. And then what happens for most businesses is that we're in the wrong room. And we we mentioned that earlier. Yeah. And then the next question that comes from everyone's lips is, well, where are the right rooms? Mm-hmm. 100%. <laughs> because I always say to people, the problem is you're in the room of enlightenment. You might be with peers who are enlightened. You might be in spaces where you know, you've taken similar training or have similar services and it feels really comfortable, let me give you a quick Coles Notes answer. You'll thank me later. That is not your buyer room. Get out yeah. of it. It's comfortable, but you don't buy from each other. You've already got the transformation you were seeking. Your buyer's in the dark. And so what I brought in this ebook is the 25 different ways there's more than 25. These are the ones I most commonly see in the world I encounter, which is in the world of service-based businesses. 25 different ways that you can get into new rooms. My hint is, well, first I would grab it, but once you've grabbed it, please be clear. I'm not suggesting at all that you take 25 ways to do this. Uh-huh. I want you to review this and go, what lane do I want to choose? Pick one but no more than three and say, that's the lane I'm going to master. I'm going to find rooms in this vehicle and I'm going to get known in that space so that I can start to build credibility to the general audience so that the buyer starts to move between me and I start to be able to engage with the buyer. And if you are not in the right room where someone can economically afford your services, get out, that's not the buyer you're attracting either because you should not be trading your services for free because you want a testimonial. Please stop mm-hmm. doing that. I drive mm-hmm. me crazy in the industry. So I've given you strategies that says, pick your lane. Here's the ones that I will tell you right now are working. They all work for somebody and somebody I know, but I want you to say, will it work for me? Because I chose to master it. And then how do you know what signals to look for that identifies a buyer? Because you want to have that when you're out, whether it's networking or meeting people or any way that you choose to do it. 
so that you can keep that top of mind because you want to be critically assessing that and learning to cultivate that muscle. This muscle is something that will be the thing that helps you run the triathlete game that entrepreneurship really is. Mm. Three things you need to do, but start by saying, what could I do to attract an audience of buyers? And I tell people, pick your lane. The second key part of that is get your messaging right. Because the only time I would add accelerators are once you know you've got a converting offer and you know how to find that buyer. And from then, honestly, it's so much fun. It's like play. Because then the question is, it's capacity. And capacity is a solvable problem. 100%. I love this so much. Where can people go to get a copy of this book? So you can find me at christinecampbellrappin.com. That's my name. If you're watching us on video, you can see my name spelt. But if not, it is Campbell like the soup. And Rappin is R-A-P-I-N. So christinecampbellrappin.com, right on the homepage. Grab it. Start finding your lane. And please go find those buyers. They need you. Mm, they're, totally. They're looking. Totally. They are. There's people out there with problems. We were chatting before we hit record. People are running out of runway right now. They are out there. They're looking for solutions and solutions that you have. So definitely get a copy of that ebook and find your lane. It's something that I'm all about as well. Christine, thanks so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. It's been fun. Thank you. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Influence by Design podcast. If you want more, head over to influencebydesignpodcast.com for the show notes and links to today's gifts and sponsors. And if you're looking to connect with other experts who are growing and scaling their business too, join us in the Coaches, Thought Leaders and Changemakers community on Facebook. The links are waiting for you over at influencebydesignpodcast.com.